a sale is just an exchange of value, basically. And when you can think about it in terms of like, how can I give this person value versus how can I sell them this thing? It's like a whole different frame of mind. I think real estate agents in particular, like they just instinctively know this because you never get paid a dime in real estate until you've already worked for months. You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser. Listen in as I interview leaders in our industry, getting their stories and their journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 244 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I get to go back to the world of copywriting. I'm walking through this fantasy land. Okay, I'm not a creative writer. I'm not going to go there. But I get to talk to Jessica Sweezy. Jessica is a partner at 1000 Watt. If you are not following the gang at 1000 Watt, if you do not subscribe to the blog, head to 1000watt.net right now, pause the podcast, go sign up for this blog, their newsletter. It's just brilliant. Uh, And what they're doing now is working with teams and all kinds of great stuff. And I get to talk to Jessica about all that and more. So let's get this thing started. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here, Bill. Really excited. I'm really happy to have you here. I'm going to get this out of the way quickly because I've had guests before say it's embarrassing, but I love copywriters. I love people who know how to write and compel a thought or an action or something from people. I mean, I think that is Mm -hmm. like a superpower. Am Am I getting too crazy here with that thought? I mean, I love to think of myself as a superhero, sure, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that that's really what it is. It's uh, a lot of people don't really know what copywriting is, and it's it's a type of writing that specifically is trying to persuade someone to do something or feel something. Many times it's trying to sell someone on an idea or a thing, so... I think that many people think they're good writers. I hear people all the time talk about that. And then I'll I'll read what they're writing. And I'm like, that's kind of like how I write. That's not the same as what Jessica writes or Lauren Walker. <laughs> it's other people I know in the business. I've interviewed now probably four or five people who write professionally. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill. Yeah. I just think it's awesome. Is, is, there, is there like a novel or some piece of work sitting inside you someday? I always wonder about that. Yeah, actually particularly lately with all this going on in the world, I realized the other day that I really do have this, like, like I totally understand those people who are just like, it just came out of me, you know, like the great American novel or whatever. I have a lot of things inside that actually hurt to keep in there right now. And so I've been writing a lot more just in my own personal Google files, you know, no one ever sees it, but, (laughs) but I, yeah, I write every day. It's a practice I started years ago too. Even if it's just brain dumping for 10 minutes in the morning, I always make it a point to write every day because I think like anything, if you're an NBA player, like Michael Jordan played basketball every day for hours, even when he was, it was off season, that's what you got to do. So I write every day. I love that. I, by the way, I'll, I'll sign up now for the advanced copy of the book. So just, just put, 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 put me down as one, okay. of your first, one of your first sales. 
Um, I know you live in the uh, East Bay area, uh, in the, up in the San Francisco. I got to be careful. I live in mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. So when I talk about the Bay oh. area now, there's yeah. two of them. So you're I've up, realized uh, that over the years. Like, oh, yeah, yeah there's more than one Bay area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, first of all, I, I'm pretty sure you didn't grow up there. Let's talk about uh, where home was as a child. Mm-hmm. And- I moved out here about 20 years ago in the year 2000 from Western Pennsylvania uh, near Pittsburgh because a lot of people don't know what that means, actually. Very small town. You know, I'm a small town girl. Grew up with like one or two schools in our town. Everybody knew each other. Um, Always wanted out. And I graduated from college in 1999. I came and visited um, my then best friend, who's now my husband, and was just like, fell in love immediately was like, Oh my gosh, there's no humidity here. There's no winter. The, <laughs> the people were, you know, the Bay area was still had this sort of air of, of freedom about it and, you know, free thinking. And there was a lot of like, just artist community. I moved in with it. My husband was in art school at the time. And so all of our roommates were also in art school. So that was really cool to just sort of experience that as well. But yeah, transplant. <laughs> a little, little bit different than Western Pennsylvania where uh, every high school football kid's trying to make the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. <laughs> that's a little bit different. Uh, you went to West Virginia, which is great, mm-hmm. Mountaineer. You, yeah. um, you studied English and creative writing. So you obviously knew early on as a, you know, someone going into school that this was going to be your future. Now, my guess is you weren't really thinking about working for one of the best creative agencies in the country when it comes to real estate. You were probably thinking about something else. What was your dream job? Well, actually, I I started as an engineering student in school. I was going to be um, a chemical engineer because that's what my parents wanted me to do. And and I was really... um, good at math and science, like, you know, won all sorts of awards, was always top in the class. And so that was like, at the time, it was like, oh, yes, you know, you have to go into engineering, because that's a great field for women right now. And so I studied that for my first two years of school and just was miserable. Like, I didn't like it at all. I liked coding. I actually, I probably should have been a software engineer. I loved coding but didn't enjoy a lot of the other stuff that came in the engineering track. <laughs> wow. So I also had this sort of side passion for reading and writing. You know, I, I actually started writing when I was like 10, I used to write, you know, in a little notebook and just write stories and write diary entries and all kinds of stuff. Started a family newspaper when I was in fourth grade at one of our, family holidays, (laughs) my sister and I. Yeah. So I, you know, and I was like, I was part of the school. I was the editor of the school newspaper too in high school. So it wasn't like a a surprising leap. Yeah. I finally just sort of went, you know, I'm not happy doing this and my grades are suffering because of it. So I moved into the English department and started to get more serious about writing. That's awesome. I mean, I, um, so obviously you're super well-rounded. That's pretty cool. <laughs> they have all those, <laughs> all those skills and all that experience. That's great. Well, um, I, I mean, I don't think I could code anything now. Well, but <laughs> true. 
True. <laughs> Back um, then, you know, it was pretty simple, <laughs> simple stuff. You, uh, you're, you're in Morgantown for that time at West Virginia. Tell me about, you know, college life in a small town. It had to be mm. pretty cool. Yeah. Morgantown's a great place. West Virginia itself is amazing. You know, I think a lot of people who've never been there really probably have the wrong idea about it, but it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. The mountains are incredible. Our town, like our campus was, it was basically looking back on it. It was just preparing me to live in San Francisco later in my life because like the, the hills were very similar you know, walking to and from class. It's very hilly. Yeah, it was, it was a great place. There were lots of things to do. Um, the school itself was nice because it was big enough that we had, you know, a big East football team. We had a really good basketball team when I was there. So there was all sorts of like fun, big school things going on, but it was small enough that like you kind of knew most people or at least over the course of being there over the years, like you knew everyone by the end of it. And you could form relationships with your teachers pretty easily. So I always liked that a lot. Yeah. And it was there that I, you know, I really got into writing. There were some teachers in particular who encouraged me to attend like professional writing workshops in the summertime. And so I did that for a couple of years also. We both, I think we both, you know, Jeff Turner, right? Yes. Yeah. I've known Jeff for a long time. Yeah. West Virginia is, native. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one of our first things we ever really like connected <laughs> over because. Yeah. He's, he always goes back and visits family and he loves that camera and the, it, mm-hmm. there's some beautiful pictures that come out of, uh, um, yes. I'm not sure exactly. I think they, I'm not sure the name of the town. I don't want to butcher it. So we'll let it go. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, my wife and I had the opportunity to drive through West Virginia coming from Durham, North Carolina. We were driving back to Buffalo. So you mm. can imagine kind of the route we took and just beautiful, beautiful drive. Um, gorgeous. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. You get out of school. What do you do first? What was your first gig? My first job out of college was as a sports writer for the local newspaper in my hometown. <laughs> wow. Just kind of funny because I never played a sport in my life. Um, well, no, that's not true. I played softball for a couple summers, like on a summer league when I was in middle school. Other than that, I really was not into sports. Um, it just, it happened to be a job that seemed like I would be able to adapt some skills to uh, at the time. So yeah, I remember getting hired and the the sports editor was like, I don't really care that you don't know anything about sports. He's like, I need someone who can put a sentence together and learn it. <laughs> so I went, I remember going out to a bunch of baseball games with him with, we had to take our own scorebook and we were, you basically had to like, you had to keep track of the entire game. So every move, I don't know if you know anything about baseball scoring, but like every move is recorded on this, the special paper, this ledger. So, you know, exactly where the ball went, you know, on the third pitch in whatever any, you know, so I learned all that and was a sports writer for, I, I think it was about a year and it was actually really fun. Like the pay was terrible, but you know, I was living with my mom and just kind of starting out and having fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
No, look, keeping score. Uh, every baseball game I go to, I buy a score of card at the game. Mm-hmm. Every Major League Baseball game. Get the free pencil, like a golf pencil. And uh-huh. I always start off each game by keeping score until a no-hitter is broken. Once somebody oh, okay. gets a hit, right, then I put it away. Then it's just done. my thing. And I've never kept score yeah. for a no-hitter. Yeah, so. Huh. Um, no, I, I grew up, my mom was a scorekeeper on my Little League team. So I'm very aware of, and even if you get very particular, like you were talking about, it had to be like an L for a line driver, an F for a fly ball. Yep. Or, yeah. I mean, you had to be very specific and you drew a little line where and the ball draw went. draw where it went. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, there's a few people say- listening right now that know exactly what we're talking about. And there's a bunch <laughs> of others that are like, what are they... What are they talking about? I got pretty good at it. In fact, the, um, cause I, I mean, I covered like the same teams all the time. Sometimes their scorekeepers would consult with me at the end of the game. So we would make sure that we had the same, the same stuff. <laughs> sure. Yep. Same, same, same runs, hits and errors and a whole yeah. thing. I love it. That's, that's, that's awesome. You mentioned though, you come out to the Bay area, you come out to California. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you come out here, is that how you find Inman? So I had an interesting path when I came out here. So it was the year 2000. So it was like the middle of the dot-com bomb. You know, right. I missed the boom part and yeah. everything was closing. There were no jobs. You know, rent was stupid cheap at the time, which was great for someone like me just starting out, um, living with a bunch of roommates. But there just weren't a lot of jobs. Hardly anybody was hiring. So I ended up, my first job here, I worked for a tie-dye t-shirt company in San Francisco. <laughs> we, very appropriate. <laughs> it, was per, it was actually quite perfect and very memorable. You know, I learned all about tie-dyeing. Like there's a bunch of different techniques. It's a very like soothing and kind of fun activity. We used to dye the shirts, send them off to get silk screened with like, you know, images of Bob Marley and Grateful Dead and all that stuff. And then they would be sold to all these different stores around San Francisco and different cities. So I did that for a while. And then, then I got a job for a travel wholesale company, which was like, um, basically this company that sold travel packages only in Hawaii, Mexico, and Tahiti destinations to travel agents who then sold them to their customers. And you could see the writing on the wall there. Like I was there maybe two years and that was when Expedia and, you know, some of these other travel companies were starting and we didn't even have a website. And I like just knew like this company is not going to be around much longer even though it, it had already been around for like 20, 30 years at that point. So I was aggressively looking for a job where I could write again. And I came across the an ad for Inman in Craigslist. And that's how I ended up at Inman. And at the time, like I didn't know anything about real estate, but I thought if I can learn how to score a baseball game, I think I can figure out what mortgages mean and all that stuff. So, um, luckily they thought so too. So <laughs> they hired me in, when was that? 2002, I want to say. And I worked my way up. Like I just started as like, I wrote tiny little stories in the beginning. You know, I, I, I filed stuff. I edited, it, did copy editing. And then I eventually got to like the point where I could do real reporting. So I could actually like call people on the phone and um, come up with my own story ideas and stuff like that. And then I ended up being managing editor. And I think when I left, I was 
VP of content because I was more involved with, I was running daily editorial, but I was also um, giving a lot of content direction for the connect events too. So yeah, that's right before I got kind of involved. I mean, I was, I've been reading Inman since about 2003 or four, mm. you know, I was, I joined, I joined the title world oh, in 2000. Okay. So it took me a little while to find it, but once I did, it became a, a big resource for me. Um, you, you happened to share some time at Inman with a, an amazing crew of people, yeah. I'm going to call it, right? Because you're as a partner at Thousand Watt, you were there at Inman with Brian, Mark, yes. and Joel at the same time. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> Not all four of us were there at the same time, but I was when I started, Mark was there and Brian was there and he became the president like right after I started, uh, Brian did. And then... I think Mark left first a few years later and then Brian left. And then not long after that, um, we found Joel because Joel started a, Joel used to run a blog, the future of real estate marketing. And I was a big fan. Right. Um, and we had a position open. So I thought to myself, man, it'd be great to work with this guy, you know? So I called him up and recruited him basically into the company. And so he and I worked together for a few years before I left. And then, so we sort of passed the baton. <laughs> so that was a forum with an E. Yes, I remember reading that e. religiously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Let's take this, let's move this up a little bit. You, you eventually, um, well, Brian and Mark create and form, I think the two of them kind of come up with the idea for thousand watt. Is that a fair assessment? For a thousand yeah. watt. Yes. Brian and Mark started Thousand Watt when I was still at Inman. Joel and I were both still at Inman when they started Thousand Watt. Yeah. And then, but it doesn't take a, a whole lot of time in the big picture for, for Joel to join them. And then you came along mm -hmm. uh, just a year or two after that. Is that kind of the right feel? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they started Thousand Watt in 2007. I left Inman in 2008 and started doing freelance work for them okay. right away. And then Joel joined right around that time too, I want to say. And then I, I joined in 2012 thinking, I think it was 2012. Yeah. <laughs> 2012. I've been a fan of thousand Watts since the day I kind of discovered what it was. Right. Because, and, mm -hmm. and once again, for me, it comes back to, um, the writing that comes out of that organization is so good and so top notch, right? I mean, you've seen me retweet almost everything that comes out of there. I, I <laughs> love, and I, I remember talking to Mark about that process. I'd love your take on that process. Like you just recently had a post come out uh, a day before mm -hmm. we recorded this episode. And does that post go through a whole lot of other people? Or I mean, what's it look like before that thing actually gets put on the blog? Well, it all starts with point of view, right? So we have never approached the blog as kind of like a content mill or an editorial calendar that has to be filled. We approach it more as like, we have a point of view. There are certain things we like to talk about. There are certain things we feel we have a duty to talk about and one of us will come up with an idea. I mean, we have certain goals that we, you know, we try to write 
at a certain, you know, pace so that we don't lose people. We don't want to go months without publishing anything. But we don't really like pressure ourselves either to like, okay, you know, we've got to have this Monday post every week. Because we've we've tried that over the years and found that like when we put the point of view higher in the priority chain, like sometimes that doesn't work. Um, so yeah, it's like one of us will pitch an idea that we have for a post and we talk it over with each other and then it goes through a review of the four partners um, and then it gets published. But we just, you know, we have a certain voice. We all have our own voices, obviously, like Mark's post sounds different from mine, sounds different from Brian's or Joel's, but we have this sort of cohesive point of view and voice within our organization too that you know it's not that we can't have differing opinions it's like we all have to sort of be on board with what we're saying too and and if not on board then like on board with the idea that like that's your point of view on this topic i think we pretty much always fall in line on everything I don't think we've ever really disagreed. So, <laughs> well, it's 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 very interesting to see that dynamic work with four very different people, you know, in backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about you know the backgrounds and all that stuff to all yeah. come together in this one place. You know, I think it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get really specific because I, I I love when either Brian or Mark is on stage. They tend to be on stage a lot. Well, Brian might maybe the most mm-hmm. right and. And he was at uh, uh, the Inman Connect Now stage. Uh, Mark did an interview, which was amazing. And, you know, he was talking about a couple of different projects, right? Because you're working with teams now, where in the past you would kind of focus on on companies and brokerages. It could be, you know, a lender or yeah. even title companies or, or definitely real estate brokerages and things. Or MLSs even, right? Or associations. You could help them with mm-hmm. their messaging. Yeah, yep. But working with teams has to be kind of different, I hope and, and tell me mm-hmm. on, is it um what's the biggest change for you when it's that small a group is it how easy it is to get decisions Yeah I mean it it is a little different and it's not okay. and at the same time like uh, I think what we realized when we decided to offer this service to teams was that well number 1 teams are the future of this industry but number 2 a lot of them are basically functioning like little companies, you know, like they've got the person who handles marketing. Maybe that sometimes that's the team lead. Somebody it's sometimes it's somebody else. Like they, they're very cohesive in how they operate very much like a company would. And we've worked with companies that are almost as small as a team. You know, we don't always work with just big companies. So I think it's been, it's been really gratifying work um, because what happens or tends to happen with a team is it's very personal to the team lead. There's usually like a really interesting story and in how it all came together. So it's just been really gratifying work because they, we see that they understand where we're coming from when we, when we bring ideas to the table um, and it's usually a perfect fit um so and i think too like with teams they don't really they don't have to answer to anybody like they are in full control of the direction of the message 
And so I think that in some ways makes it a lot easier. In some ways not, you know, because sometimes you can be a little too close to your business and it makes it hard to like hear an outside point of view. But most of the time it's, it's been just really good, good work. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done with teams so far and excited to work with more going forward. I want to bring up a specific example. Um, Matt Winsenreed, he's in Madison, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin, right? And uh, he worked with your team, uh, the company. And I thought uh, it's an amazing website. It's an amazing mark. It's an amazing Mm -hmm. campaign. I mean, it's just (laughs) cool. And the tagline or the slogan that was created your, your taglines are always so short, mm-hmm. but they're so powerful. And this one was sincerely yours. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I thought that was brilliant. So are, can you talk about that? Is there a way for almost to like, not, not deconstruct it, but talk about how, what's that process like talking to Matt and then coming to this or his team as well and coming to this conclusion? Well, first of all, I, I can't take credit for that. I, that was thousand watt we do everything collaboratively you know so i don't want to like take credit for for that tagline in particular but it is so it is a collaborative thing right like we have a we have a process that we have perfected over the years and adapted to work with teams to make it a little leaner too to just like get right to the the meat of it and i think because we've done this so many times we can sit with we can sit with these people for a couple hours and like we usually come away from that meeting with a general sense of like where we need to go like it's very rare that we'll leave and just be like gosh you know i don't know what are we going to do like <laughs> you know it just we just know it's like we get in there and like we diagnose or whatever <laughs> like we we know right away um which direction we're going to go in and so with this team in particular, you know, Matt is such a, um, such a sincere guy that there, there was another tagline that was, that was, um, in the running that we never even showed to him, but it, it didn't feel like him. Right. And so that's where, that's where the sincerely yours came from. Like he's just super sincere and sweet and we wanted to keep it really tight to his personality. I will have a link in the show notes to, uh, to Matt's website. Uh, it's just spectacular. In fact, I'll also put a link to the photo of the uh, billboard that came out of that campaign as well that, mm. you know, yeah. Badger fans. I mean, just really, <laughs> I mean, that seems like as Midwest as it can be. This is who right. we are. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. You, um, a couple months ago, you, you actually got to go hang out with your old boss a little bit virtually with Brad Inman mm-hmm. on, uh, on his oh, yeah. podcast, right? With so Valerie yeah. Garcia. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I love one of the lines you brought up uh, where you talked about, they were it was right in the middle of the toughest part of the pandemic, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're by no means done with it, but and thing that actually in Florida are not going in the right direction when we record this. Mm-hmm. But you really you talked about serving over selling and how important it was during that time. I'm going to guess that that serving over selling is something you've believed in for a lot longer than the three or four months of uh, Corona, you know, COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we, I think has shaped us at thousand watt over the years. Like we, it's really for us, it's about like over delivering. Like we always try to over deliver. And I think the more I, 
read about sales. I actually have never really worked in, I've had a few sales jobs, but I'm my, by no means like an expert. But I have become more interested in it over the years because I do believe that copy is just a form of sales in many ways. Um, most, co- I mean, there's sales copy, of course, but like almost all copy is trying to sell you on something, sell you on an idea or a feeling. So I've done a lot of like reading and I've kind of fallen in love with a couple of, you know, a couple of these older gurus, like Jay Abraham is one guy that I just could listen to talk forever. And that's like, that's an idea that he always talks about, you know, it's not a new idea. It's just like, you, sir, you, when you think about the service, you like a sale is just an exchange of value, basically. And when you can think about it in terms of like, how can I give this person value versus how can I sell them this thing? It's like a whole different frame of mind. I think real estate agents in particular, like they just instinctively know this because you never get paid a dime in real estate until you've already worked for months on something and, you know, and given your time and like all this value. Um, But I think like in, during the pandemic, it just became such a moment to really like stop and like live that. Like we did that. We, we did a bunch of free sessions with anybody who just wanted to like talk with us for an hour in the beginning, because everyone was just so stunned. Like, what do we even do? Or should we be selling right now? You know? And I think the answer was like, maybe you shouldn't be asking people for money, but you can still provide value by serving them. And when you do that, I think the money comes eventually, you know, as it does in real estate. Is there one common mistake that you just see over and over and over from either brokerages, teams, or the individual agent about the the way they market or the way they deliver their message? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a lack of positioning or a lack of a, a bold position or a different position. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. But like, even as simple as like, it always drives me crazy when I get on a broker's website and there's no headline, it's just a picture. And I always think like, man, what a missed opportunity. Like, that's like showing up to someone's house and they just open the door and like motion you in that you, they don't even say, Hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> like your headline could be, hi, <laughs> what can I do for you? Like anything except for nothing that drives me crazy. And I know that in some cases it's like, it might be hard because of the, the vendor situation or, or whatever, but it's like, wow, like you, you really, all you need is like a good sentence that's, that's taking the time to think outside of find your home. Like that is, that is a non-position type of headline. That's just very mechanical. So I think that's, you know, that's a mistake or yeah, like just not when you don't say anything at all, like you're creating the space for others to come in and say something about you or for you or make their own impression. But when you do say something, even if it's just simple, but it's, it's really you like people it's, 
it's pretty powerful. Like people can come away and be like, wow, that company seems so like down to earth or in touch with what's going on right now, or like helpful or kind of quirky or different, you know, like you can leave an impression with, with just a few words. And I think that's a missed opportunity. For those listening to the show, what you just heard, that is thousand watt talk. (laughs) Thousand watt speak. It's awesome. (laughs) It's so, there's nobody else doing that. Who else is saying that? I don't know. (laughs) So like Jessica, I've had you here over the half hour. I've asked you your time. So I'm going to give you the last question I've asked all 243 (laughs) guests before you. Which is amazing, by the way. You should pat yourself (laughs) on the back. That is 243 episodes and counting. That's Uh, awesome. Good job. When it's a patch, when it's a passion, when I'm I'm, this, my, my, I have such a curious nature. I'm passionate about finding out about people. This is not work. This is super fun. So mm-hmm. that, that's probably why it keeps going. Um, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? Okay. So what would I give? Well, first of all, the caveat that I've never worked as an agent. And I realize I don't want to be the type of person who like tries to act like I know better than someone else at doing their job. I've never done this job. Um, so never walked in their shoes, so to speak, but I think, you know, for any, any profession, really, it's like, when you think about the people who succeed the most, it tends to be like the ones who just kept going, right? Like even with your podcast, for example, like how many podcasts have been started over the last five years and never made it past the fifth episode? Because the person like burned out or was like, man, like this, nobody's listening to this taking too long. You know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to waste time with this anymore. I think it's the same, you know, with real estate. It's the same with any, same with writing. Like you have to keep showing up. You just have to keep like being, you have to be willing to fall down and get back up, fall down and get back up and just keep going. And I think like the best of anybody in any career it's that person who is willing to do that over and over again. Jessica, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I would say, I guess, email. I'm pretty responsive on email, jessica at thousandwatt.net. I'm also on Twitter, jsweezy. Those would be my two, two spots. I don't awesome. answer my phone because I get too many spam calls. Awesome, (laughs) Jessica, thank you so much for your time. This, this really was fun. Um, I want to ask one last thing at the end is, are you cool with people using grammarly.com? I mean, you know, are you good with that? I am, but it does sometimes bring up (laughs) issues because sometimes good copy is like, like good copy mimics how we speak, you know? And so it's not always like perfect grammar. And sometimes when you try to shove the perfect grammar into it, it then sounds more mechanical and it doesn't work. So that's when I have an issue with Grammarly. But I do think, yeah, it's great to check um, some things. (laughs) It's helping me cure my passive voice. That's a good thing. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. That, that's a problem for a lot of writers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's been really a lot of fun and, uh, and really best of luck 
to to you and the whole gang at Thousand Watt. I think, yeah, it's, you too. Like I said, um, I, I I promote that blog every chance I get and say, if you're not reading these people, you're making a massive mistake. Uh, so thanks so much for your time. Oh, we so appreciate that. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash RE Sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to therealestatesessions.com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released. (laughs) 